passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind to Raw. It is John Pollock waiting here at Post Wrestling following Monday's edition of Raw from the TD Garden in Boston. How are you tonight, Way? All right, John. How are you? I'm doing well. That's, um, I'm actually feeling the effects of this weekend. I think I'm starting to get sick. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. Hope you get some good sleep, drink lots of fluids. Sure. Yes, I will. I will, uh, I will report back. I, I'll, I'll be fine, but nonetheless, uh, definitely, uh, feeling it at, at this hour, but lots to talk about tonight. And there was a lot to talk about this past weekend. So if you want to go back, uh, Wayne and I spent two hours discussing AEW revolution on Sunday night. You can go back, relive that event. We also have a show covering UFC 285. Did you see any of the John Jones fight? The, uh, the two minutes and four seconds that it lasted way, or did this not uh, come across your timeline? I think I saw a clip on Twitter just of the, uh, sub- submission. So, yeah, that was it. He's back and he won in very impressive fashion. So, if you want to hear that thought expanded over an hour, UFC 285 post show with myself and Eric Marcotte. But way tonight, Boston, Massachusetts, for whatever reason, Boston, it was the city where Vince McMahon decided, you know what? I'm going to go take in a wrestling show tonight. I'm going to go attend Raw. I, I've got to see, I've got to see this, um, Johnny Gargano, Finn Balor match in person. I want to, uh, I want to go check in with, uh, See how everyone's doing. And most importantly, I want to work on this sale somewhere quiet. So I'm going to go to the TD Garden where I, I hear they have great Wi-Fi and I can maybe uh, uh, maneuver my sale uh, back there. <laughs> so he he is only back. He is only back to work on the sale. That is it. He is not doing anything else. He is just here to work on the sale. And tonight he was working on the sale backstage at the TD Garden. Whether or not he you know, truly has influence um – Creatively, I don't think we'll ever um, know that blatantly, at least maybe not during this particular period. Um, I I also think speculation about like he could truly just be there to visit people, you know, including a John Cena. But, I, you know, of course, we're going to speculate about whether or not it's going to be more. The audience is going to speculate about whether or not it's going to be more. Besides all the creative stuff, people can draw their own conclusions on that front. I mean, Paul Levesque has said as much that, yeah, of course, I I speak with Vince, but ultimately, I have the final say. Like, Paul Levesque is not even shielding the idea that thoughts are filtered through him, but that he is the, the decision maker at the end of it. Putting all of that aside, is it a... Do you look at it as a, as a bigger deal of just Vince McMahon being present at a WWE show? Do you think that 
that is and how it would have been met by people that got to the arena today and all of a sudden, well, Vince McMahon's going to be here tonight or just suddenly you see uh, Vince McMahon there. Like this is somebody that has uh, all of these allegations against him. Is this just the best uh, corporate uh, move by the company to have Vince McMahon present uh, in front of your, your, all of your employees and independent contractors? I honestly would you, almost... would you want him there if you are running the show? Well, I I don't know if I'd have much choice. He he is a majority, you know, has majority controlling interest in the, in the actual company. And I, I think it's kind of sad to say, but like I almost feel like at this point, at least among from what I hear about the talent and what I hear even about the fan base, the concern is less so about, I think, the allegations, um, you know, that are uh, levied against him and more so about his creative influence. That seems to be the thing that is upsetting people most. What is he going to do to my precious wrestling show? And not so much, you know, the sexual abuse that this man allegedly may have committed. Yeah, it's again we look at the the parallels and here we are removed from significant um significant scandals involving the two biggest power figures in pro wrestling and MMA and as we stand here today they feel unscathed in in all of this like Dana White went in front of the media and he addressed it when he did it's not brought up anymore like he did the press conference on Saturday it was you know their first um He's he's done a few, but it's it's been relatively very few uh, press conferences. It's not even a topic. It's not it's not a story. They got, TBS got through the controversy with Power Slap. It's Power Slap has its detractors, but it's not so much because of the New Year's Eve incident. It's just the the taste of the particular show. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like with Vince McMahon, it's not about the hush money payments or going into the details of such. It is. Is this guy going to ruin the bloodline angle? Like that is yeah. more of the focus. And, and maybe that is for, for a fan base. It's like, that is the concern. It's, it's, I'm not dealing with this man's personal life. I am not dealing with looking underneath the rock of, of this man's skeletons in his closet and victims that, that could exist. It's, it, this is my, this is my three hours of entertainment and I don't want this guy to mess up my entertainment. And that's how a lot of fans are going to, um, uh, approach this and exact same for MMA, sports, entertainment musicians that is going to be it, it it's very interesting when you look at figures that provide you entertainment that you enjoy and and what weight their discretions are going to hold on your ability to consume that entertainment even when it comes to you know the conversation of the sale how how much of a factor do you think that that is you know i, I mean like you know the, the vince mcmahon allegations how, how much of, the, of a factor is that on just the entire conversation i think it's something i i i think that the price tag of that 9 billion is going to scare off a lot of people and i think there there are larger issues if we if we were just talking about the uh the the hush money payments and all of that in a thriving industry where endeavor could take on that that kind of debt i don't think the Vince McMahon i don't see it as a deal breaker but i do see it being a factor for some of being in business with Vince McMahon the optics of it but i don't see it ultimately de- destroying a deal it's mm-hmm. it's something that i would imagine is there and others that are not going to have that that same issue i mean again um not not to compare all the same situations of dana white and vince mcmahon but it was like you know endeavor dana white conveyed as much like they they were pretty upset 
but they weathered that storm. And I think ultimately it, it was not as though they felt that a punishment was warranted. And I think if they saw a great value in WWE and they had the partners and the ability to take on such an enormous purchase, mm-hmm. Vince McMahon's allegations were not going to s- s- preclude them from doing so. Yeah. So I, I like there isn't a whole lot to speak about beyond this is the first known event that Vince McMahon has attended since last summer when he stepped down, which was the retirement that, of course, as Nick Khan informed us, anyone who thought that was a real retirement was just uh, you, you just you don't know Vince. You don't know. Uh, of course, it wasn't going to be a real retirement. I mean, come on. So there you go. He was backstage at Raw. Do you expect him to be present around WrestleMania weekend? Yes, I do. I would I would think that there is just because of the the sale talks and partners that are going to be around and such and if Vince McMahon is the one spearheading the talk of this sale mm-hmm. um is he going to want to have a presence on a weekend like that in LA in a major media market when they are taking over the city for a week yeah like i i, I don't know why anybody wouldn't expect him john you know like i i would expect to expect him in the same way that i would expect many of the shareholders or at least um you know a, a executive board to be present at wrestlemania it, it's the biggest event of their year it's you know their super bowl he, he wasn't on the last earnings call but that's an earnings call you know like he doesn't have He's... to appear publicly necessarily He's... he could just go in and take the show and take in the show and, and say hi to the people backstage i i certainly at least expect him to to have a presence or i wouldn't be surprised um how about a public uh a public appearance of vince mcmahon that and, I that, and that can go beyond wwe television and into just an interview a sighting i mean outside of like where have we seen vince mcmahon it has been like you know photos of when he had that uh that that dinner uh a number of months back with uh brock lesnar and pat mcafee and such other than that like what public profile has existed for vince mcmahon post scandal yeah i mean the man's gonna have a private life you know he he's going to go out and eat and and if he's going to be in town he'll be out in a, in a restaurant eating so but but i i don't anticipate him making public appearances i think there's still in like a lot of hot water around him um even the, the question of whether or not he's in charge of creative they they seem very like cautious about that and wanting to make sure you know to let the audience know to let the staff know that vince mcmahon is not back in charge creative and could this have been just a way to kind of ease in? We could look back six months from now and say, yeah, this was like him just kind of, you know, dipping his 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 toes back into the pool. Um, but at the he, moment, it, it still seems like a very sensitive topic. Sensitive topic, but also one that um, had that music played tonight. What was that audience going to respond to in Boston tonight? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I guess sensitive in, 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 in the way that, um, the talent might perceive it and the audience might perceive it more so the talent. I don't think they care that much what the audience perceives, but you know, um, it seems like it seems pretty unanimous that like talent is happier with the way things are. Yeah. I, I think that it, it's also a story that I, you know, I would not want to be fanning the flames of, of Vince McMahon so attached in terms of, this becoming a story and and just rehashing all of that. But I also have very little uh, expectation as well of the larger media entities that they ran with the Vince McMahon story when the first um, like the first Wall Street Journal story came out. And they tired of the story after after a while, like when mm-hmm. the settlement was made with like Rita Chatterton and so, like as that story progressed, like the media had moved on from it. So it, it felt as though it happened and 
Vince McMahon is not on their radar. So I don't know how much, um, barring a sale where this will be gigantic news if such a sale occurs and Vince McMahon's name would be very much linked to that. I, I don't know how much people would be revisiting it. Like if he came out on television tonight, would it be a big story outside of wrestling? Maybe, maybe to a degree, some would hmm. cover it, but I, I don't know how big it would be. I'm guessing. I don't think it would be that big outside of wrestling. We move on to uh, AEW, and I just wanted to go over some of the notes that came out of the press conference that uh, we were doing the show last night as it was going on, but um, several of the performers spoke. I guess the most news came out of Tony Khan's, and there were several business notes that he offered up that, um, as we had mentioned last night, the show did uh, around 8,000 paid. Uh, WrestleTix had it at around 9,000, but that's tickets uh, distributed, so that would include comps and such, and an $800,000 gate. And also, uh, Tony Khan, it's very early estimates. Like they probably have a, a good idea of the digital buys, but traditional pay per view buys, that's, that there's going to be the natural lag before. And we have seen with like a forbidden door and other shows that over time, like that 90 day cycle, it can, it can add like 10, 15% to mm-hmm. the buys, but they're seeing it as likely up from full gear in November, which is a, pretty good sign and in the 130 to 140k range but again that's a very early estimate um but tony khan does expect strong replay buys based on strong word of mouth and i'm always curious because we we don't get any significant data on replay buys like what is the percentage like is five percent at like that week considered good is like, what, what is the range? Because mm-hmm. this would be the show. This and Forbidden Door were two shows that they had such great word of mouth that like I would put myself in the position that I would have gone out of my way to, to buy this show if I knew what I had missed. Like this to me was just an excellent, you could not have presented a better show for somebody that missed it and regretted not buying it. Yeah. When, when the conversation coming out of this is, you know, was this AEW's best pay per view? It it's going to leave people who missed it feeling like they certainly missed out. So um, in that sense, I think you could, they couldn't have done better. Are you more or less likely if you were somebody that uh, say this weekend way, you were like, I'm sick of all this combat sports stuff. I'm not watching anything. I'm hanging out with Oscar all weekend. And I came to you today and I said, dude, there was an unbelievable AEW pay-per-view and mm-hmm. there was – the UFC pay-per-view, it, it was a good show. It wasn't like show of the year. But let's say they did. They had a show mm-hmm. of the year. Is there a difference on what you would – like if the results are out and such, does it make any difference to you, pro wrestling versus MMA, of what you would be more likely to go seek out? Uh, or is it equal that you, if, if you hear hmm. a strong recommendation, you would be interested? I think it would be equal. Like if I was as big of a fan of MMA, you know, as I was professional wrestling, I, I think it would be pretty equal. You know, ultimately, I I want to see something that's spectacular and something that's very unusual that I I don't usually get. And if if I got that from my UFC match, that's a better question for you, John, because you're an active viewer and 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 you know, um, journalist for for both sports. So what what would the answer be for you? Yeah, for me, it was. I would think if, if if I was hearing like a fight of the year candidate, I would be absolutely watching it. And same with a wrestling show. Like for me, I, but I, I'm, I've also found over the years of doing the show, I'm certainly in the minority where I like spoilers have never 
it, it interrupted my enjoyment of something going in that I know that it's a it's a five round decision or it's uh, the, like the outcome of a match that doesn't affect it. And I think there are a lot of people that the result does matter if they go in knowing that. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes sports, it's more once it's over, it's over. But right. it like last night I was sitting down and just on my Rogers um on the pay-per-view channel, the main channel on Sunday night was dedicated to the UFC pay-per-view replay, and Revolution was on like the secondary uh, HD pay-per-view hmm. channel. And it's always interesting in these weekends because it's not just allotment that you only have so many uh, channels for a pay-per-view provider. There's also the commercial inventory of how much like your local cable provider is promoting that weekend's big event. And this weekend, what are you going to be advertising the most? Well, the UFC is going to take precedence. And those are the sort of decisions you go into in a weekend where it's not just competing for people's dollars, but it's also for their attention and and commercial inventory as well, where they know that this this weekend, yes, the events are on separate nights, but what are we going to dedicate? And even on the night that AEW is running live, the main channel was dedicated to like the Jones Gone replay. So should Tony be as upset with Dana as he was uh, about uh, what is it that Castle show that took place? Oh, Clash at the uh, at Clash the Castle. castle? I, I wonder. Who, I wonder who booked uh, this weekend first. I guess that's mm. that's the mm. question. So, well, we we will get another weekend of this in uh, the end of May because we got it on back to back days. We got the confirmations of Double or Nothing and then the Saudi Arabia show, May 27th and May 28th. So there mm. is your there is your Memorial Day weekend for our American listeners. Uh, other things, uh, 12,000 subscribers for Honor Club, which Tony said is ahead of the projections that they had uh, by this point. Do you view he, that number? He, 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 he says doubled um, in recent weeks. So I, I would were, imagine the most amount of people signed up this week. Like, why would you have been signing up for Honor Club weeks well, ago when you didn't I, know when the show was coming? I, I guess just that, like that may be most surprising about that is there are about 6,000 people still subscribed to Honor Club, you know, just for the archive, I guess. I, I, I guess. I mean. Yeah. I don't I don't know what you would have been holding on to Honor Club for because it's like they, yeah. it, I, I guess some of the, the, the more recent pay-per-views, were, were they up there? I Maybe up until the most recent one. Correct me if I'm wrong on that chat. They're up there now. So you you can certainly go back and watch if you want to see like the FTR Briscoe series and such. But yeah, yeah, I I, I wonder what the um, what the ceiling is going to be for subscribers, because like if if this was building towards like Supercard of Honor being part of this service, I would say they're going to get a big spike this month with the TV and then that. But like Supercard of Honor is a separate uh, purchase for you. So he said about 12,000, right? Yes. So subs? Yeah. So Which I mean, this is about as high as Honor Club has ever been in its history. Okay. I mean, you do the math, that's like 120K, you know, um, a month that's coming in. It, it, does that make Ring of Honor profitable with the amount of money that they're putting into tapings and, and promotion? And no, you're I, not even ca- counting pay-per-view on top of that as well. You're saying, you're saying no, John. No. Like of what they're spending on this, uh, forget the purchase price of ROH, but what they're spending on like tapings for like they revamped this whole service. And you're talking about like six figures here in income that's coming in on 12,000 subscribers. Well, it's like, just a start. But I mean, is it a good start? Yeah. Is it a good number? start uh, if it's above their projections i guess so like new japan world i i, I don't think it, new japan world has become what maybe they envisioned it and that's something that it usually hovers around a hundred thousand subscribers so okay. and, but but again that's a service that's nine years old in comparison but um and how, i guess how, how integral is it to their core business you know new japan versus live live touring you know i mean they're still very much a ticket 
selling business. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not at a at a a place yet where television rights are carrying them. Like it's still like tickets are a big factor, but it's it's something for them. But that's also uh, half owned by TV Asahi, so it's not even mm-hmm. strictly all uh, New Japan. But um, I, I guess the question will be like. All these people that have jumped on board, what are going to be the incentives for people that were not interested week one that are going to uh, attract them? Like it was good word of mouth this week, but I wouldn't say overwhelming. Like this was the talk of um, online wrestling on Friday. You have to go watch that ROH episode. Well, like, again, it, the only talk that would have occurred on on podcasts like this and on maybe message boards beyond that. Huge, how, huge how, that, that we are talking about Honor Club. <laughs> this could be gigantic for the service. Meaning, how would you have even found out about it if you weren't paying super close attention to the lower thirds that might have occurred when Claudio Castagnoli appeared on screen? You know, they, they, they certainly, um, for whatever reason, didn't didn't make a huge effort of, of announcing it. I, I imagine Supercard of Honor is where you'll continue to get a whole lot of reminders. And also, you know, conveying a lot of the current storylines to entice people to to jump onto the the subscription service. But um, it, I mean, it's a start. You know, um, I I'm I'm curious to know if like something really hits. Um, if like more people are aware, if Eddie Kingston wins the championship, for instance, or if something really 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 big happens, Shibata sh- shows up or, or whatever, does that make a big difference? Will Tony continue to update us on these numbers? Yeah, it was interesting. He wasn't even asked about it. He volunteered that number as well. So, so he must was, be pretty proud of the number. Yeah, no, maybe, maybe he realized it's, um, you know, he felt bad for the no comment at the start of the, uh, conference call on Thursday. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to throw them a bone here and, mm-hmm. uh, throw out some numbers. <laughs> um, some other questions he was asked about wouldn't comment on Kenny Omega's deal. So, uh, balancing things out after once, once a you just have like a little up. sign on like a little, you should have card, a button you know? and then like, it just lights up like no comment. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you asking, but I can't talk about that. Yeah. Um, said that, you know, there were some challenges in the elite house of black program mentioning, uh, without stating the visa issue that like Kenny had to deal with something. And then the mm. buddy Matthews also wasn't around for a time. So yes, he would have liked them to have some more face time together on TV. So mm. I think he acknowledges like, yes, it did come together pretty quick, but, I mean, to their credit, when that match started, that was a hotly anticipated match for the audience when the bell rang and they, it felt like a big match. Um, no release date yet for the fight forever game, but it's done. And he just doesn't want to step on anyone's toes by announcing the, uh, the, the, the release date. Do, do you see that being a, a big deal for AEW, this, this video game? I mean, it seems like it's <laughs> been for, feels like years that this thing has been developed. That, yeah. I mean, for their sake, I hope it's, it's met with a positivity because it's going to be oh. the most scrutinized game, I feel, because of all of the hype behind it. Very much so. And you're talking about WWE about to release their, their new game, which at least, you know, to, to, to sort of a layman's eyes, uh, looks really awesome um with with its graphics um so it, do, you, do you have any of these systems or no 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 dude i don't have time for any of this stuff but I, I i like listening to the the conversation i like always you know hearing about what people but this one in particular for AEW is very important it's it's one of their bigger sort of um uh pushes into the mainstream you know you'll be able to find this at a GameStop and you know wherever people buy video games and people will be talking about AEW on websites and doing reviews and on you know uh twitch and things like that where they might not know, normally be talking about AEW. And you don't want that conversation to be a negative one. You know, you don't want the reputation of the company for a lot of people the first time they're hearing about this brand to be one attached to a bad game. So I would say a lot is certainly riding on it beyond just the monetary. And then he 
just rounded out things talking about the difference of formatting AEW versus ROH that you know with uh, with AEW it's very challenging with the time constraints hitting times and he talked about you know being in classes when he was younger writing out episodes of television of his fictional dynamite series and Wrote for one them. week, I'd love I'd love for them to actually go back to those notebooks and play them out exactly as is, like yeah. with the character names that he might have created and everything. And uh, he formatted those shows when he was younger without commercial breaks. And he said, and a lot of matches. He loved to <laughs> have a lot of matches on yeah. his uh, his dynamite episodes. And yeah. uh, says that you know studio wrestling, it's the easiest type of wrestling to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's positives and negatives when, um, the, b- between the two, like there's the higher production value with AEW, but, uh, it, it was an interesting, uh, question when it came to like the, the philosophy of booking two, uh, which are very, very different, uh, formats between a live television yeah. product and taping something in a studio where it's a marathon of matches you're taping. Knowing the amount of money that's coming in at the moment, I, I think the cheapest option like makes sense, you know, for, for, for this ROH product at the moment. And uh, if, if those numbers continue to rise, maybe, maybe they, they eventually get out of that studio. Few injury notes uh, coming out of uh, last week. So Kofi Kingston, um, Dave Meltzer had reported that he suffered an injury on SmackDown and, I don't know if this was the spot, but it jumped out at me when I watched it is when Drew did that Tope Con Hero onto everyone during the, the match to set up the, the fatal five way for this Friday. He did this Tope Con Hero and dude, he crashes down on Kofi. I would not be surprised if that was the spot. And, uh, Kofi did not uh, specifically state too much about it, but he did uh, put up a post uh, saying he was going to be all right. And it was a shot of his uh, right foot and ankle uh, that were strapped up. So mm. not not indicating too much. But I mean, if you want to read into it, that it seems like it's not too serious. We'll find out Friday because he's supposed to be in that five way match and he'll either be in it or he won't be. Uh, the other was Ronda Rousey, who was in the sling on Friday that you saw and was going to be the tag match that they flipped into a singles match with Natalia or sorry, with Tegan Knox and Shayna Baszler. And uh, Wade Keller reported afterwards that she had re-aggravated a prior injury. Uh, she had worked the, two, the house shows the weekend prior and yeah, re-aggravated an injury. And it was said to uh, not be considered too serious. Um, I did ask about this and. Yeah, it was indicated to me that the hope is that it's it's not anything too serious for hmm. her. So we'll see. And I guess there's Ronda Rousey is this year's big question mark about where she is going to end up on this card with Shayna Baszler and seems to be the, the most outstanding, quote unquote, star of the roster that does not have a clear path yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, quote unquote star, I, th- I think is, is an interesting way to put it because her star power, I feel like is the, the least it's, it's been since her attachment to the WWE. And it almost feels like even if she wasn't on the show, I don't know how much this, um, show suffers as a result. Um, it, it seems like she's currently going to be involved in something with Shayna Baszler in a tag team setting. And, what options are really out there for a tag team in the women's division on a SmackDown that feels like a big match? Only if they do something where damage control cost Becky and Lita the tag titles. Because that, that six woman that we'll get into, it really does not need the tag titles. Like, that's my only thought is that maybe the, they get the, the match. Ta- well, Dam- damage control are, are involved already. Well, that's what oh, I'm saying. Oh, you mean they, they, they cost them and they, they drop cost them, to them other people. against your team, whether it's Ronda and Shayna or a team on SmackDown? And 
like, what's what the else? other team on SmackDown? Even with the titles attached, you know, like what what's that other team that that might significantly justify a big it's like, difference? Dude, maker? it's like Raquel and Liv is like your only other option, and that seems yeah. like um. I mean, that, that is a match you can do with Ronda and Shayna, but it doesn't sound like a big match. But by all accounts, even if Ronda was healthy, it feels like she's going to be part of like a mid-card match that I don't know if, if it'll make that big of a difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, that's the, the, the outstanding one remaining for WrestleMania. So ESPN is going to be uh, sending their crew to cover WrestleMania. So that's, that's great. Uh, exposure for wwe to get that espn attention that week and leading the charge leading the coverage will be daniel cormier representing espn on this uh, wrestlemania coverage so maybe after all these years uh way we're gonna get cormier and lesnar the sit-down interview uh, uh, uh yeah maybe Brock doesn't tend to do those, but I mean, in this situation, I, he maybe did he one should. on ESPN that year going into WrestleMania, the year when his contract was up, if you remember, oh. going into uh, San Jose. I mean, it's very sparing that he does these, but I could see him. Um, maybe, maybe Daniel Cormier's question could be like, dude, you really needed an opponent this year for Mania, didn't you? Why didn't you just call? <laughs> Cormier. Cormier Lesnar at, at Mania. You think that'll, that, well, who knows, man? This will only drive up speculation. Do you, do you, if you had to put money on it, could you, do you think Cormier could still make a run for a professional wrestling match? He'd have to get in shape. He would, he would have to get in shape. Um, you know, he's, um, you know, he's been retired for a few years at this point. Um, you know, it's, it seemed that, you know, that extreme rules thing, it seemed like if, if they were interested in it, like the door was open to, to do it. I'm just surprised that, you know, that was very close to happening in UFC a few years ago to the point they, they did the angle at, at UFC in 2018. Never happened. And then it seemed like you had the door to do it in pro wrestling and they've never done it. I also don't know how big that would really be, but I bet you'd be bigger than Brock Lesnar and Omos. Um, so, you know, and these Saudi Arabia cards, they don't book themselves. So anyway. Yeah. SmackDown rating on uh, Friday night, 2,451,000 and a .59 in the demo and number one on television, um, way ahead of Shark Tank that only did a .48. Uh, there was a time SmackDown and Shark Tank were neck and neck, and now they, they've pulled ahead of uh, Shark Tank. So look at that. Sami Zayn is uh, swimming with the sharks on Friday nights and coming out on top. Rampage did 394,000 viewers and a 0. .10 in the demo. They were down 4 and 6% respectively, number 32 among cable originals. And this replaces last week's number as the second lowest 18 to 49 number in Rampage's normal time slot. So not, not a great number for the live show going into the pay-per-view and was their lowest 18 to 34 number since December the 2nd um, in its normal time slot. The countdown show right afterwards, also not a great number, 180. 84,000 and a point zero four in the demo. Um, definitely the lowest of the countdown specials that they've ever produced. The average last year of the five specials was 240,000 viewers, point zero six. Did you happen to see the countdown show? I did not. No, I didn't, but I feel like I saw probably a lot of it on the, on the, uh, buy-in, you know, and, and I, I, I almost wonder, like, if they continue to format the buy-in this way, um, is there much value? Is there much sort of, um, I mean, there's always value and I think attract, attracting people that aren't watching AEW to, you know, getting involved in your stories, but not for somebody like me who watches week to week. 
Yeah, I I think it's a tough time slot because I would say if you're watching this Friday night at 11, you're probably watching Rampage. And I don't know if you're necessarily capturing anyone that's just trying to get a catch up. I think it is very valuable to get that thing up on YouTube immediately. Mm -hmm. And day of, if people watch that, it's a quick half hour watch and it's, it's very well produced. Like it's, it's a well produced, uh, special that they do. It's, um, yeah, but this one, I don't know. It, it based on the buys, like the this countdown show being down so much, it didn't seem to indicate a lack of interest in the show, just a lack of interest in the countdown special. Uh, New Japan held their anniversary show uh, today. I actually watched the whole show. I was just going to briefly go through some of the highlights on it. They had two thousand twenty people, uh, which by the time the main event took place, sounded like. 9,000 people and not 9,000 at a WWE arena, like 9,000 real people. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. and Kosei Fujita took on El Fantasmo and Kenta. So they seem to be building up towards Zack Sabre Jr. and Kenta down the road. And you've got, um, all these different, um, Kenta is going to be facing Sonata in the second round of the New Japan Cup while Zack will be taking on, uh, the winner of today's match with Umino and Yujiro. But, um, they gave Fujita quite a bit of, uh, shine in this and he gets this overhead belly to belly on Kenta and he goes for the Kimura that he's been taught but Kenta one step ahead reverses it into game over tapping out Fujita in a a nice opener in nine minutes and 20 seconds and it looks like Zach and Kenta at a future date maybe at the April 8th show next month Tamatonga Satoshi Kojima and Tori Yano took on Will Ospreay and Aussie Open very little of Ospreay I mean the man's learned how to work six-man tags you just disappear um so a lot of Aussie Open in this match uh they won with a Corey Alice and um that was after they stopped a, a Koji cutter uh from Kojima and uh, they get the victory there. Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Ren Narita against the House of Torture, Evil, Show, and Dick Togo. And, you know, the House of Torture, like, this was an awful group. And everyone panned their matches. And then you heard people stating, well, if there had, if crowds had been allowed to, to boo, this would <laughs> be such, that? oh, Come this on. was a, this was a defensive House of Torture that, man, they'd, this, they'd be such over heels. And you know what? We have fans back and dude, they don't care at all about House of Torture. They, and now they just beat them like drums. They're so nothing. Um, I feel really bad for show. I feel bad for evil. Evil is a really talented wrestler. I'm not a fan of the gimmick in any way, shape or form, but he's a talented guy. And it's just, this thing is so past its expiration date. Um, yeah. and, and yo has just catapulted past show to, to me mm. in, in the uh, projections. Um, but uh, Suzuki, Desperado, and Ren Narita, I really like the, these three as as a trio. Um, just uh, really fun stuff here. Uh, the Garrett was involved with uh, with Dick Togo bringing it in and choking Desperado, but Narita makes the save, and then Desperado pins Dick Togo with the Pinche Loco in 8.15. Lots of brawling afterwards and focusing a lot on Ren Narita, and then Evil gets a bunch of chairs, places one around Narita's neck and swings uh, to drop uh, Narita. So uh, hold your breath for that showdown. LIJ's Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Sonata against Jeff Cobb, Aaron Hanare, and the great Okan. Uh, Sonata has introduced a new finisher that he uh, beat Taichi with on Sunday to advance in the New Japan Cup, and he does not have a name yet for the finisher, so he is going to go to social media for suggestions. So if you want a name... What's the move? I I didn't see the show on on Sunday, so I actually have not seen the finisher yet. But you can check that out. It was a lengthy match that they did. Uh, so Takagi hits a pumping bomber, and Hanare stands on his feet. This match was all about Aaron Hanare, and they're stating how that would take a junior heavyweight's head off. And Hanare just stands up to it, and he 
fires back, forearms, returns with all these kicks. The Streets of Rage gets stopped. And then Cobb is in with a tour of the islands on Takagi, a spin cycle to Naito, and Hanare follows with a PK to Takagi and then hits the Streets of Rage. And Aaron Hanare pins Shingo Takagi in 10 minutes. This was a huge wow. win for Hanare. And it seems like they're getting very serious with uh, Aaron Hanare. This these don't happen too often on New Japan shows, especially in these multi-person tags. But, you know, you've got Naito and Sonata's continuing in the tournament. Uh, Takagi's in the tournament, too. But this was like a meaningful loss for Takagi. And it would seem uh, and, and giving it to Aaron Hanare. I think that that speaks volumes. Leo Rush and Yo. I do not know how I didn't figure this one out, but that they go by Leo. Hmm. Like Leo, but Lee, Yo. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it's I I, hmm. I approve. I approve of it. They took on Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi, and Leo Rush is challenging Hiromu for the junior heavyweight title on March 21st. Uh, Rush and Yo are phenomenal as a team together, and they're in here with Hiromu and Bushi. So this they just had great chemistry. Ru- uh, Leo Rush and Hiromu, they're going to have a phenomenal match later this month. Um, yeah. Leo Rush got a bad bounce off the bottom rope for his rush hour, but then uh, hit the final hour splash onto Bushi to win in 12.56. But I'm looking forward to that title match. Yujiro and Shota Umino in the New Japan Cup. Again, a decent match. It's I understand that Shota Umino has got Yujiro here. Not exactly the most dynamic opponent, um, but but I wouldn't say this was all that great. It was sort of just a, a ho-hum match with uh, the crowd getting into Umino, and he won with a Death Rider in 949. Why Yujiro gets all of these singles matches, it just it boggles my mind, but I've been saying that for a decade. David Finley, the the man that has uh, you know sent Jay White packing, comes out with Ghetto, and this is the reveal that David Finley is now part of Bullet Club, and I'm sure WH was just celebrating this new addition to the Bullet Club, and... Uh, Kevin Kelly notes the added muscle that David Finley has uh, packed on here and taking on Tomohiro Ishii in the New Japan Cup. And uh, they had a very good match, 18 minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, Finley looked great in this match, as did Ishii. Uh, we saw uh, a cliffhanger DDT for a two-count by Finley, and Ghetto's giving him the advice. And Ishii hits this massive lariat for a two-count and then it's a Ushiguroshi by Finley that wins the match in 18 minutes and 40 seconds. So he will advance to take on Great Okan. And they made a big deal that Ghetto has selected three people as people he has mentored. Okada, Jay White, and now David Finley. So they are giving the monster push to David Finley. And going into this New Japan Cup, I thought El Fantasmo was going to go far. They eliminated him in the first round. So I could certainly see David Finley... Going very deep, um, if not right to the finals. Like it is, I think that this tournament will be about building David Finley into one of their big heels and replacing that void that Jay White has left. But, um, Ghetto did a promo afterwards and, um, they're, they're really trying to hit on like David Finley is the rebel. Yeah. His new nickname, Rebel Club. The lineage of that seat, you know, of being the leader of the Bullet Club is incredibly illustrious. And so the pressure, by all accounts, it seems like it, it you know, being having ghetto attached means he's going to be the leader of the club. And that's a lot of pressure for mm-hmm. David Finley. Now, um, seeing what I've seen of him recently and seeing the great promo he cut after the Jay White attack, it has it's given me a lot of confidence that he could pull off this role. Like the guy sounds really good. 
can he pull off the rest? You know, you kind of need a bit more than just being able to speak. You know, you you have to deliver in ring and he's looked strong, but can he look strong enough to the point where he might be compared to an AJ Styles or a Finn Balor or a Kenny Omega? Yeah, I think the Bullet Club it it certainly comes with its uh its anchor to it as as well and what is expected in a, a Bullet Club style match where Ghetto is in your corner. So it's it's going to be tough to navigate, but I I'm very high on David Finley. I'm I, I think he'll have a very good tournament here, and he could go very far in it. But the main event, it is uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi taking on Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi, the dream team, for the IWGP tag title. So does Okada against two of his stablemates. And, man, this bell rings, and this crowd, they were so hot for the beginning of this. Okada's going nose-to-nose with Goto and then starts with Yoshihashi. Um, sh- um we we get the uh the Shoto gets stopped by uh by Okada as he kicks Yoshihashi away. The audience is just cheering along here. Goto fires up and we build to the tag to Tanahashi. So they get Tanahashi and Goto and they bring up their their match last year to determine who would go to Forbidden Door. And then they double team Yoshihashi, where Okada hits the top rope elbow and sets up Tanahashi, who goes for the high fly flow. You think this is going to be the finish, but Yoshihashi gets up his knees and cradles Tanahashi, and the crowd bites on Yoshihashi pinning Tanahashi, and they hit the uh, violent flash onto Tanahashi, deliver the Shoto, but Okada struggles, breaks up the cover, and we get a reverse GTR to Okada. Tanahashi then stops their finisher, gets a roll-up for an excellent near fall on Yoshihashi, and then he stops Karma, twist uh, twist and shout, and then we have Yoshihashi hold up Tanahashi on the rope as Goto lands a lariat from behind, and they hit uh, Naraku onto Tanahashi, and Yoshihashi pins Hiroshi Tanahashi to kick off the 51st year of New Japan Pro Wrestling in 20 minutes and 17 seconds. And it is Yoshihashi that gets to do the farewell speech at the end of the night, (laughs) stating how it's been a long time. And I believe one day I can beat Tanahashi and Okada individually. And he just cuts this huge speech that he's probably had in his, the back of his head for years since he was a a young boy. Um, Surreal to see Yoshihashi close off the anniversary show. This tag match was, so much fun it was this crowd sounded amazing i would i would recommend the last two matches i wouldn't say everything on this show uh was like necessary to say or even that this was a a go out of your way to see type of show but uh between the aaron hanare win that was pretty significant and the last two matches were very good in particular the main event so that was the anniversary show and a good crowd over two thousand people that they had at oda ward gymnasium and the last thing before we go to uh, Raw is a uh, roadblock is happening on Tuesday night with Roxanne Perez against Mako Satomura for the women's title. Braun Breaker and the Creeds against Jinder Mahal and Indusheer. Dijak takes on Tony D'Angelo in a jailhouse street fight way. So um, what does that mean? Like, what, I don't know. So, so what are we going to get like balls and chains? Um, Maybe someone well, will get buried. In a jailhouse? I, I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Be, how are they going to make this? How am I gonna, How are they going to make this uh, CWC look like a jailhouse? Maybe it'll be. Uh, maybe uh, Tony D'Angelo gets uh, thrown into a, a cement wall and it breaks, and it's a giant tunnel, and it's an Andy Dufresne match. Sorry, I don't get that reference. Joe Gacy against Andre Chase. The grudge match between Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, and uh, maybe the main event on the show, Shawn Michaels appears on the Grayson Waller effect. 
Hey, it's a big edition of a TV show. Uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to Roxy versus Mako Satomura. Um, we'll see how they do. And Dynamite, all they've announced so far is Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs for the TNT title in Sacramento. So I'd imagine some more match announcements coming over the next day or so. Raw on Monday night took place from the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Do you bank at TD? I'm not going to reveal that. Oh, okay. Okay. Probably too much information there. So when, uh, WrestleTix noted that when John Cena was announced for the show, they had, they had distributed 7,700 tickets. As of today, they were at 13,072. So with all due respect to Grayson Waller, that's the John Cena effect. Mm-hmm. Pretty yep. impressive. And this crowd, they were here to see John Cena. Uh, on main event, they had Carmelo Hayes beat Akira Tozawa and Gallows and Anderson. Remember them? They beat the maximum male models. They just seem to be on like, um, you know, um, dark match duty. They're also on waiting duty. for AJ duty. That's what they're on. Pretty much. Yeah. Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa arrive at the building earlier in the day with Paul Heyman. And Heyman says that they have one more chance. Zane escaped on Friday. So that means he's here tonight. And Solo, tonight you can solve the Kevin Owens problem. And Jimmy can solve the Sami Zayn problem once and forever. And as they go off, Heyman is by himself, and he calls Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. The vo- voice style. Call Gene. There was oh, there is oh, we, we didn't even go over uh, all the stuff. We'll, we'll do it at the end. We'll, uh, we'll save it for later. We'll save. There is a drive to survive scene that I'm going to recap this Thursday. <laughs> I was watching this. I was watching this by myself, and I had tears in my eyes. I was laughing so hard. Dude, oh yeah, I, ha- I think I know exactly. Oh my god, dude, Haas is the most entertaining. I could watch the whole series on just Haas. I don't even need the other teams. They are so enjoyable. I think when you get to uh, Otmar's Afnauer, he might be my new favorite. Okay, I'm not. I have not met him yet, so I, I okay. look forward to that one. Kevin Owens and Solo Sokoa is the first match of the night, and Solo is in control after spinning heel kick. Owens fights back, and then we get Jimmy running down to distract Owens on the turnbuckle, and it leads to the hip attack against the barricade by Sokoa. And after Sokoa misses several times in the corner, he's hit with a DDT and then avoids the stunner, knocks Jimmy off the apron, and then Kevin Owens super kicks Sokoa, hits the cannonball, and proceeds to... Climb to the top for a swanton, and when you think Kevin Owens has it won, Jimmy runs in and attacks Owens, so we get a disqualification at 11 minutes and 23 seconds. So this Kevin Owens problem continues, and the crowd is chanting for Sammy as they double-team Kevin. They clear the desk, and Sokoa is getting ready for that Umaga splash off of the barricade. When Sami Zayn appears, swings a chair, and Jimmy and Sokoa retreat, and Zayn and Owens are left in the ring as the crowd is chanting for Sammy. Zayn offers his hand to Owens, but Owens just rolls out of the ring, and Zayn is so disappointed as Kevin Owens walks off. Mm -hmm. I guess getting one of these um, disqualification finishes is about as much of a win as you can get over Solo Sokoa. By the way, is this a technical like win for Kevin Owens? Like, was this yes a, a Solo Sokoa defeated? He he must have lost this before, is, right? Yeah, this would be a DQ loss. I don't know if Sokoa's had a DQ loss before. Well, I guess I he's mean, still protected I mean, they, by, by lack of pinfall. But um, I almost felt like uh, I kind of wish Sammy got this same treatment on Friday. But you know, obviously, you can't 
do them both and maybe they felt like Sammy would be the one to afford the loss to Solo, Solo more than Kevin Owens. Beyond that though, it, it almost seems like um they've set this up and this is important for the end. They've set this the story up so that it's now about Jimmy and Kevin Owens um sorry, Jimmy and Solo having to put Ke- Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn on the shelf through some sort of like severe injury. And any time that Owens and Sami are able to escape that's an embarrassment for Jimmy and it's it should be seen as a win so that that's just what they've established here you know um putting these two on the shelf i thought they had to kill them um yeah that would be putting them on the shelf like eliminate the problem once and forever like this feels like a hit has been called on the, uh, on the on these two yeah yeah i guess um cuz solo death. did beat sammy on friday so I was like, what, what are we, what are we fighting for tonight? Like, is it just to beat these guys? Like, well, that's what to... they've established. Just beating them doesn't do anything. Well, they're trying to break their necks, right? They're, they're trying to put the, 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 the chair around their necks and, and then breaking them. So they're I'd trying be like, to solo. You know what? Let's skip all this pro wrestling nonsense. Okay. I got a pipe in the back. Let's, yeah. I don't know. Let's like cut the brakes on their car or something. I guess that they could go to jail for that. Um, you know, breaking a, a, per, a person's neck after a match, I guess seems to be okay. Brock did not go to prison for using a forklift to try and kill a man at SummerSlam. So I think the latitude is very lengthy. If it's I mean, in the arena, I think it's you're legally okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyway. They recap Uncle Howdy attacking Bobby Lashley on SmackDown, and Lashley is backstage. He is tired of playing little kids' games. Bray is not a man. You sent someone wearing a mask to do your dirty work. What will it take for you to face me, Bray, like a man? So we're going to have a like mm-hmm. a man, like a muscle man <laughs> match at WrestleMania. Yeah, sir. Sure. Yeah, more mind games. Um, whatever. <laughs> okay, Vince, you can produce one segment tonight, okay? You're in charge of this one, okay? This is what you've got, okay? Yeah, sir. All right. He's going to vomit. Saxton is with Carmella, and... She wants to be inserted into the title match at WrestleMania, but even she realizes that's not going to happen. And Chelsea Green walks in, calling Adam Pierce a dumpster fire. And after tonight, Green says, we're going to go above his head to his manager, which is as much of a call to who was present backstage as we were going to get on this show. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And um, they send Byron away, and obviously they are looking to put these two together, which they, they have a good chemistry together. They're already together, yeah. I mean, this seemed to be a you know a pretty official union here. I I like the team. Um, I I think this is a show that needs you know, especially uh, characters in the women's division with some actual personality, and uh, you know who could attract heat, and I think both of them could do that. So they, it kind of refreshes both of them up. Also, during the breaks, they were promoting that uh, SmackDown is going to be coming back to Toronto. This follows the house show over the weekend, uh, August 18th at the Scotiabank Arena, which uh, tickets will be going on sale this Friday. And this was the uh, the return to Toronto that Edge had uh, vaguely alluded to at that hmm. Raw last September about, you know, um, we'll probably be coming back here in around a year. And, uh, and I don't know how many uh, more I'm going to have in me. And that sparked the whole retirement discussion when he gave that speech at raw i'm gonna i'm gonna make a wild guess that he's not retiring on an episode of smackdown in toronto i i don't think so either um now will this be the last appearance i'll have in the city 
he can't wait. He's a raw talent. How could he possibly show up on SmackDown? Uh, you're right. Yeah. Well, are they do are they not doing a draft at some point after uh, Mania? I haven't heard anything about about a draft. They certainly could. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, anyway, you're right. If yeah, not, how can possibly. they how could they get around this? <laughs> It'd be illegal. Yeah. Yeah. There's more than just our our normal borders. There's a raw mm-hmm. SmackDown one to account for. Bianca Belair, who, dude, she is literally just like, keep me busy until WrestleMania. Uh, takes on Carmella in a non-title match. Uh, there's a handspring moonsault by Belair, but Chelsea is distracting the referee for the cover. So Belair is hitting punches in the corner, throws Chelsea into the timekeeper's area, and Carmella gets a roll-up, kick out, KOD, and Belair wins in 8 minutes and 58 seconds. And then Green jumps Belair from behind, and as they're double-teaming her, Asuka runs down and sprays blue mist into Chelsea's face. And when you watch this replay, she sold this like she had been hit like um like that... uh. What's it called? Like that scene in Jurassic Park where the, the oh, dinosaur the gets in. Or uh, the, 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 the Lopasaurus. Yeah, with Newman in the car, yes. in the little truck. Yeah, oh, that's man. right. <laughs> that scene scared the hell out of me. That was the scariest scene in Jurassic Park was like, oh, what happened to him? Mm-hmm. Like just this liquid comes out at you. Anyway, Chelsea sold it tremendous. And Asuka and Belair just stare at one another before they they gaze at that WrestleMania sign. What is in store for us? And they're both thinking, how are we going to kill three more weeks until we get to this damn match? Oh, God, I know. Um Crowd was pretty cold for this. You know, this was another show that I think came in with a lot of hype, but hype for talking segments, not so much for the wrestling. And they were Cena, the bloodline, like, yeah, it's like these are most raw crowds. Like, it's and like this is a gigantic crowd. This was like 13,000 people. When you come out of this edition of the show, you ask somebody what was worth watching. It's not the wrestling matches. The matches were not built up to be anything all that significant. It's the post-match angles. It's the talking segments. That's what this they've kind of built a reputation for. So I don't really blame these crowds for sitting on their hands during some of these, especially when there's just no consequence attached to the matches. They're excited about the angles to set up the matches they're not going to get to see in person. That's it, yes. Zayn walks up to Kevin Owens backstage and he doesn't know what to say. And the bloodline is too much for either of us to take down on our own. This is not a ploy. I'm not trying to make everything okay with us or to be best friends. We don't even have to team up, but we can only do this together. I know them. I was in the bloodline and Owens cuts him off. I know you were in the bloodline. It was in this building at the Survivor Series that you joined the bloodline officially taking Mm -hmm. my head off. What an awesome callback. Really wonderful. And they were driving it really. So uh, if you all remember everybody back in war games, I mean, they were teasing Owens and Sami Zayn teaming together. And that's when Zayn fully turned on Kevin Owens, joining up with the bloodline. And from that moment on, Kevin Owens has vowed to never team with Sami Zayn again. And they've stuck with that to, you know, justify Owens motivation at this point. Um, so I wonder if like all of this was already mapped out way back then, because it certainly feels like it has. Um, and I wouldn't completely put it past them if, if that was the case, but wonderful sort of like, uh, poetry here, going back to the city to be able to kind of remind everybody why he's so adamant about not teaming with Sammy. And he tells Sammy, why don't you just go back to Roman and apologize, but leave me out of it. And Zayn, dude, no one plays dejected and sad better than Sammy Zayn at the moment. And he played it tremendous in many scenes on this show. I really enjoy this. Uh, this, you know, everyone wants these two to get together and make you want it. And just yeah. how are they going to finally, uh, reunite in as much as I, would have loved that embrace to end the Montreal show. You're getting so much more quality television by 
like where do you go after that moment when you're six weeks out from WrestleMania? Um, yeah. This is a, this is a better. They, they hard to complain about the way they've handled and paced this story heading into WrestleMania. They're going to. It seems like they'll they're on track to peak it right right for the match. And I I think like having a, a nice enclosed moment like that might have been the way to do it. If there wasn't five hours of TV to fill, you know, for six weeks like we have in the modern time. The Miz is in the ring to moderate the face to face between Seth Rollins and Logan Paul as he prepares to host WrestleMania. And he is going to do it with professionalism. So he brings out both. And this crowd, dude, they just wanted to sing Rollins theme. They are just singing and singing. And Logan comes in. This segment has a time limit. Shut up. And the crowd starts chanting Logan sucks. This is a guy that believes I'm going to be a great baby face. I mean, like he is an awesome heel. He's just so natural at it. Yeah, I, I think he he more than realizes it right now. Uh, and, and thank goodness he's he's embraced it. Um, he he really is a natural at this. He says, who am I? I'm the clown that dumped you out at the Royal Rumble and then knocked you out at Elimination Chamber. I did more in one year than you've done in 20. I'm better at your job than you are, Rollins. I'm on the way in. You're on the way out. I'm just naturally good at this. I work smarter. And Rollins says, you bring up a lot of points, but the reason we don't like you is because you're the scum of the earth. You're a coward. You're a troll. You're a fraud. And we don't want you in our house. And Rollins is ready to fight. And Miz interjects as they're not allowed to fight. But Paul says, I can do whatever I want. But I'm not going to fight for free. I'm a premium act, and I'm not going to fight here in Boston. But if it was a bigger stage for more money, maybe I would consider it. And Miz has the ability to make the match, and Rollins tosses out the Miz, and then Paul attacks him, misses the stomp, so Rollins and super kicks Miz, and Logan Paul winds up to deliver a punch to Seth Rollins and... As much as uh, Logan Paul is a natural to a lot of this, his punches still suck. And I thought this punch looked awful. And the the, uh, the broadcasters were even like, oh, it was a slap that he gave him. And no, it was to be a knockout punch because Rollins is out cold from this thing. And uh, he's out. And Paul ends it by stating to let him know about WrestleMania when you wake up and ends it the same way the FaceTime ended last week. Bye-bye, bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's punches are really difficult you know um and and i i don't even know how much of the current roster that are trained could sell a punch as a finisher just like what you know without doing like a superman or, or like some sort of special windup um unless you're like you know as heavy as like the big show i think it's really hard to buy so i i certainly um wouldn't expect somebody that's not necessarily trained um, or not trained as long as a Logan Paul, at least in the art of like pro wrestling punching to be able to, to make it look that convincing. This is a real guy who's an actual trained boxer. If he wanted to deliver a real looking punch, I think he could have. The point is to not actually hurt your opponent. And as a result, you might've got something that looked like this. I didn't think it looked that bad. I think it's all in the selling. And I thought they conveyed that perfectly fine. You know, we have to remember this is a guy with a bionic fist, Right? Isn't that isn't that what Paul Heyman told us? He's got a bionic fist. Yeah, we we never saw Seth Rollins conscious again on this show. 
Yes. So, I mean, I, th- I think it's a good gimmick to have, especially as a heel. Um, and it gives Paul the advantage in this first meetup. I thought it was a tremendous segment. You know, not only is the guy very athletic, he's very charismatic, but also very naturally unlikable. And they're using that to play this up. Seth Rollins, on the other hand, is at a point in his career where he is incredibly likable. So I think you have just a complete wonderful match of two big personalities uh, and both of them incredibly athletic heading into what feels like one of the bigger matches at this WrestleMania. And this crowd, uh, for the ups and downs, this was a segment they were invested in and mm-hmm. added to it. So I thought, uh, punch aside, I thought Logan Paul was, was great and Seth Rollins was great in this segment as well. And you're right, like this is going to be they're going to have a tremendous match at WrestleMania. I have no doubt. I think they're going to have a, a very spectacular match. Similar to this next one, Omos versus Dolph Ziggler. This Mustafa Ali program is, I I don't know what's going on with it, but it's just a storyline for the sake of a storyline that just is not ending. Is it playing out on me? I mean, it's playing out on Raw. Um, uh, You know, Raw has three hours and I guess... It's playing out on Twitter. Is it? Okay, well, good for them. It's 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 kind of really hard to care about. I anticipate both of them might have a role in the Andre Battle Royal, maybe some interaction with, with each other. Um, sure. That's that. Ali's in the crowd with a We Love Dolph sign, and his new thing is uh, be positive. And uh, hard to be positive if you were Dolph Ziggler here. He got hit with a big boot and a tree slam and was pinned in 50 seconds by Omos, which is exactly what they should be doing with Omos building up this match with Brock. <laughs> It's about as much as I think you can do, do with Omos. Um, well, I hope yeah. he can do more than this because you can't go 50 seconds with Brock as much as Brock might uh, want to go. All he needs to do is jump um, to take those suplexes to get on onto Brock for an F5. That's all he needs to do. That's all. That's all this man needs to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will see. How, how long is that match going? I'm going to ask you this every week. How long is that match going? Over or under you, five minutes. I think there's there's enough like you know things you could do in a, in a wrestling match to kind of it pull it out to to tease the drama. You can get MVP involved to kill some time. Yeah, like it hit it, hit, hit Lesnar with the cane. Yeah, um, they could go ten minutes. You know, I'm sure you'll get oh. a level of heat with uh with Omos and yeah, I, I, I north of you know five to ten. I would be that surprised. I don't think they go 10. That would be uh, – I'm going to take the under on that one. MVP says, this is all the hype we need for the match. I was like, I, d- I don't know about that. I-, I think we could use a bit more than that. And Lesnar never should have touched him. Omos will tame the beast at WrestleMania. Maximum male models, they're staring at some beautiful figure off camera. And Baron Corbin walks in and thinks they're talking about him. But they're looking at Otis, who is with Gable. And Corbin asks, what does he have that I don't? They state charisma, uniqueness, the it factor, and he's got hair. It's like this, this poor guy. I mean, Jesus Christ. Maxine says, well, why don't you go handle the short, ugly one, and we'll consider taking you on as a client. So Baron says, sure. Shorty G and Baron Corbin, the, the return of this legendary uh, pairing. The man who gave him the name Shorty G. Mm-hmm. Heyman is with Jimmy and Solo Sokoa and says that Jimmy is the one who is going to take out Sammy and Reigns will never have to hear that name again, but notes all the pressure that Jimmy must be under this week to not only win tonight and eliminate Kevin or Sammy, but to bring Jay back into the bloodline, because if not, Roman will blame you. And Jimmy has got the weight of the world on his shoulder as he's got to off a man tonight and then he's got to uh, bring back the prodigal son on top of that. So 
Mm-hmm. Little did we know that Jimmy Jimmy had a had a plan in place. Mm-hmm. Finn Balor against Johnny Gargano. We had um, all of the Judgment Day in the corner. Dexter Loomis is out there. Outside of a Rhea Ripley Charlotte video package, not a whole lot dedicated to Rhea on this show, nor Dominic. Uh, but I guess that's, get that on SmackDown. I think they're they're building more of that on SmackDown at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Gargano hits a uh, suicide dive and then a slingshot spear for a two count. Um, Balor ends up. Uh, uh, it's it's when Gargano hits the cannonball onto Dominic that he re-enters the ring and is hit with the double stomp shotgun drop kick and as he's climbing. Edge's music hits, and this pauses Finn Balor's motion. And Priest and Ripley run to the entrance. There's no Edge. And Edge comes through the crowd, and he pushes Balor off the turnbuckle. One final beat, and Gargano pins Finn Balor. Loomis then drops Priest, and Edge spears Balor and screams at Balor that this is not over. Hmm. Action in the match you know, was obviously very good, but reaction to this one was... Not that much bigger than Bel Air versus Carmella. You know, the match was not treated as a big deal at all. And it's a reminder that, that this is not NXT. They have not put much momentum, um, in terms of, uh, I don't know, um, value behind a Johnny, Johnny Gargano had a decent appearance at the Elimination Chamber, but zero follow up beyond that. Just kind of back to being a bit of a mid card guy. They seem to have made a dance remix now of, of this, uh, theme that he's using. And that's just, upset the internet uh, that much more um biggest reaction in this match were, was for johnny gargano uh, attacking dominic um and and you know beyond that um he got the win here but uh, you're not left thinking about johnny gargano whatsoever so what happened here they recapped uh, roman reigns and cody on smackdown king and queen of the ring on may 27th in Jeddah, saudi arabia and byron saxon catches up with, with edge with with the tagline it's all happening in Jeddah." You know, so it's not just King and Queen of the Ring. It's King and Queen of the, of the Ring. It's all happening in Jeddah. So. That's going to be a mouthful for Bray Wyatt. <laughs> yeah, it will be. Well, so he got we've gone ma- from large-scale international event to now we're, we're actively yeah. working in the city into the tagline. It's a reminder of what this entire deal is about, promoting the reputation of the country and tourism of Saudi Arabia. We are several years now removed from the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, time to lay on the sport washing a little bit thicker. Jeddah, Jeddah, Jeddah. Make sure you say it every single time you talk about the show. Um, let's make the, the people paying for this happy. Yeah, they're, they might be auditioning for the uh, public investment fund. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saxton catches up with Edge. He says that Balor cost him a match that he should have won against Austin Theory. So tonight I cost him a match that he should have won. So we're now affecting each other's careers. And he is calling out Finn for next week in the ring if he's got the balls. So although this sounded like a match challenge, this is a confrontation for next week. So this is uh, not a match that they're having next week, but presumably the angle to set up WrestleMania. Mm Mm-hmm. Nikki Cross against Piper Niven. They showed a video of Piper destroying Candice LeRae last week and stated that she has suffered an AC sprain in her shoulder after this attack. Uh, and Nikki goes to attack her by raking the eyes. The bell rings, high cross. And then Nikki goes for a swinging neckbreaker. It's blocked. And Niven hits her, uh, the move that was called the Loch Ness, the black hole slam. But boy, did uh, this not look good in 57 seconds. She really struggled to uh, to get Nikki up and around for this slam. And Piper Niven gets the victory. 
very yeah. short match. Unfortunately, I mean, this was not a long match, and the finish, uh, which was the most important part, did not look good. So, um, bad looking finish. I I think also the the win needed to feel a bit more dominant than this, even though I think they wanted to give Nikki a level of protection, and maybe that's why ultimately it just ended up being a. Eh, you know, for everybody, um, there's the pro- just no time for this on the show. It felt really just uh, like shoehorned into this show to fit. Very forgettable segment by the end. And on that note, Rick Boogs is tr- trying to deadlift a production truck, and Elias enters and quizzes him on his notes and says that Elias says, "I took the fight to Lashley. My star power is rising, and he wants Boogs to go out there and do it himself." So he dares him to go tell Bronson Reed, tell him. I want to fight. So Boog says, okay. So he walks up to Bronson Reed and Bronson Reed listens to him, walks up to Elias. You want to fight me? And then Elias is all confused here. You said that I wanted to fight him. And Boog says, you told me to say that you wanted to fight him. No, I said you wanted to fight him. Ha. (laughs) Broken telephone. Yeah. I I mean... Yeah, I thought it was fine. Like, we see some pretty bad, you know, backstage comedy. I thought it was just de- decently cute. I think got a good reaction. Most notable about this entire segment was that you saw Cody speaking to Kevin Owens in the background. So, seemingly teasing some association and maybe even oh, Cody like- Cody being the, the glue to stick Kevin Owens with Sami Zayn. Yes. The, 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 he's going to mend the roads between... Kevin and Sammy, potentially, after uh, mm-hmm. this damaged relationship. Night one of WrestleMania will feature uh, Becky G performing America the Beautiful. Becky G, related to Shorty? Uh, half cousins. Okay, cool. Top of the third hour, uh, John Cena comes out and the place explodes. Man looks taken aback as he walks out and gets this looked emotional. Reaction. Oh, yeah, he was he was very moved by uh, this big pop in Boston and told us uh, Stu was not working today, unfortunately. Oh, poor Stu. Well, he's out. Place is going wild. And as soon as he goes to talk, Austin Theory comes out and he says he respects John Cena. I only became a wrestler because of you watching you as a kid with my mom. And to thank him, he has a gift for John Cena, a gift that is bigger than any movie role you're ever going to get. And the crowd, they're continuing to chant for Cena. And Theory proposes a United States championship match at WrestleMania, to which Cena says, no, not interested in your gift because you have not earned the right to give it. Cena goes on to explain, I've been watching the show and I just don't care. Just like all these fans don't care about you because we don't believe you. We don't believe you because you're a generic kid wearing sneakers, wearing sunglasses indoors that has no heart. And believe me, I understand. I walked in those shoes. I'm like the ghost of Christmas future, and you're in the John Cena ruthless aggression phase at the moment, which is fine, but that's the phase that I almost got fired, which is a true story, in 2002 before his career was saved. Could you imagine where – what – I look at it in two ways, one of which, wow, did they avoid uh, a disaster by imagine like this guy had been cut and who knows what happens. I also look back, how many potential breakout stars have been cut over the years or were just squandered? Yeah. 
Cena certainly is like an incredible talent, but if he was not the guy, they would have picked another guy, and I feel like you would have also had a pretty be Matt Morgan right now coming out, right? (laughs) It could have been, yeah, it could have been. Um, I didn't stuttering and yeah, yeah, sure, the blueprint, yeah. But so, you know, Cena is an exceptional talent, and you're probably you're not going to find too much, you know, too many guys like that. But they, they chose right; they did. They chose a guy who dedicated his entire personal life to being a WWE ambassador, wrestler, top guy, star, and did it for a way longer period than anyone else. Being that that top guy, he says that back at that time in 2002, I didn't believe in myself. And you've been given opportunity after opportunity, but you don't believe in yourself. You have no heart, no soul. The fans, they're here for me out of respect because they believe in me, not you. You're a pair of trunks away from being a jabroni. But you know what, Austin Theory? You've got the best name in WWE history. You've got Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, The Undertaker, and then Austin Theory. Because that's exactly what you are. A theory. Because in theory, you should be great. You're everything a WWE executive looks for. In theory, all these fans should be here to see you. But no one cares. You're just wasting our time. So why don't you shut up, walk out of here, and we'll leave you in one piece. And Austin Theory, after he's been 10-7'd here, says, I'm not going anywhere. Just like that bald spot on your head. Like, boy, what a comeback. He asks... You know, is John Cena, Mr. Never Give Up, giving up? Where is the respect when you have a golden ticket to face the greatest U.S. champion ever? Theory says it's true about meeting your heroes. They just disappoint you. Cena is ready for round two. He says, I'd rather have a bald spot than fake crowd noise piped in for my boring matches. I didn't turn you down. Was this an admission? This was as much of a uh, the WWE does this dude on screen. Wow. I I have plenty of thoughts on on, on this promo by the end of it. Hmm. Cena says, I didn't turn you down because I gave up. I'm turning you down because you're not ready. If we have a match and I beat you, you lose everything. And if you win, you still lose everything because the next night on Raw, you have to come out without me to lean on and you're going to get eaten alive by the most ruthless crowd. So let me ask the audience, because you brought them into this. Boston, should I accept this match? And he's just a maestro here with the crowd. They're going nuts cheering for this. He says, Theory, I don't care about you, but I do care about my fans. So I'll accept the match. You've got John Cena at WrestleMania, the biggest mistake of your life. But the fact is, you don't have it up there, as he taps him in the head. You don't have it in there, hitting his heart. And you don't have it down there as he nails this dude in the balls and says, you've really got to work on that last part. And you're not ready for the WrestleMania stage. But one man that is Cody Rhodes. And Cody comes out and dude, without saying a word, John Cena put this guy over as like his best bud. And he's showing him off to the crowd. This was as much a uh, this was like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in that rundown movie, just casually walking past uh, Dwayne Johnson as our little uh, passing of the torch moment. Um, Felt very much like that. Absolutely. That's what this that totally like Cena. This was a total endorsement of Cody is our guy uh, mm-hmm. coming out uh, at the end of this. So, uh, dude, I I understand what they are doing here. Um, 
with, with theory, but man, I just thought that this, <laughs> I, I just don't know how you, you could make this guy look more like, um, a total nothing here that, I mean, the part of it is that he is speaking to an audience that is probably like, signaling along and nodding along with, with Cena uh, during this whole promo. This is not all that different than a promo Kevin Owens did on Austin Theory a number of months ago, stating the same thing, um, just ripping him on television. Like, I presume Theory has to, absolutely has to win this match, but yeah. I, I, like, he just got annihilated here, and I don't know, the the old adage was, you know, you don't destroy your opponent because then it's like, what... You either lose to someone inferior or you beat someone who means nothing. Um, I guess this is, um, you know, it was a great delivery by Cena. Um, did this do anything for Austin Theory? If the end result is you, you do have a big match at WrestleMania as a result of this. Hmm. Like this is like you are a corporate creation that has nothing going for you. Like this is like what they're doing to Baron Corbin, only to me way more amplified and on one of your champions, no less. But I don't think Cena is stating anything that the audience doesn't already recognize. There's a huge disparity when you look in the ring and you see an Austin Theory versus a John Cena. Even on paper, you see on the marquee, John Cena versus Austin Theory. And that, to me, is part of the reason why I was very un- un- uninterested in that matchup. You know, this has been kind of talked about for a year or months now, it sounds like. Um, I don't think Cena did anything to harm what was already, like there like it was it was already this at this level i think is there a scenario where theory comes out of this elevated of course yes now number one it it, he has to win yes absolutely i think that's a given um he also has to deliver in the build-up he has to come back and he has to elevate and he has to earn heart exactly what john cena is talking about he has to develop soul Everything John Cena said, I, Th- I this think this dude's got to win clean at Mania. I don't. It's think not just can... about the win, John. You know, it's about entertaining and it's about being a more complete performer, and that's what Cena is trying to motivate him. I did not like feel that this was a burial. Like it needed to be to some extent because you wanted you know drive interest in the match. I saw it more as Big Brother coaching little brother and get and motivating little brother to become a better version of himself, just like he he had been before. Um, and I thought it was incredibly effective, you know, They're number piping one in crowd noise for your boring matches. Yeah, because they haven't been great. And I don't think that's any secret, John. Like, I mean, they've been fine. He's had fine matches. But how many standout Austin Theory matches has there have there really necessarily been? How many are we necessarily remembering? He's telling him what everything you've achieved thus far has not been enough. And so step it up so that you can become better so that you could someday Achieved. Like, what's this last year been? Like, what's this last year been designed for? To set him up on on the stage. He's not there yet. You can't say that he's there yet. This is like I I and this is just you know basically laying out. This is where you're at. You're not there yet. But hopefully, I'm. This is the the program that's going to take him there. I, I I don't think it hurt him whatsoever. Um, I think in fact, I thought I thought this was a great segment. Like, it built my interest in the match. Cena came out here and just he 
felt like the rock when the rock came back for the Cena program 10 years ago, you know, he brought like a real seasoned veteran sensibility that made him sound almost like godlike coming in here. He was able to deliver the story in a very engrossing fashion, was able to play off the other guy's jabs really well, able to use his surroundings off the cuff. Like, you know, talking about that guy's sign. Um, I think he was incredibly sharp and I really actually enjoyed the way the story was portrayed. You know, Cena, when you look at it on paper, I just, I didn't see much in this at all. But when Cena is able to line out that he sees in Austin Theory a younger version of himself, I, I, I thought, okay, this match makes complete sense. And, you know, he had to embarrass Theory here to ultimately motivate him to get to that next level. So I guess, um, I found most interesting was the way that he portrayed this as a lose-lose situation for Theory. Uh, he said, if Theory loses, he he's you know basically losing to John Cena, and his momentum is stopped and it's and he's killed. What what's most interesting was when he said, even if you win, you have to answer for the win in front of an audience that will eat you alive. So what does he mean by that? Like he's got, he's got to come out and have a kick-ass promo the next night is what it sounds like. So um, it's, so it sounds like even like in a kayfabe sense, what does that mean? He says so. So if you win, the audience will hate you more than ever for beating me. Is that is that what he's suggesting? Well, and you won't have me to lean on. Like you almost take it that it's like you beat me. It's like is you're, saying, you're you in the me, spot because you're paired with me at Mania, and then you come back down to earth after. But why is that bad? Why is that? Why is that a, a lose lose situation for Austin Theory? You, because you're you're terrible. You're at a low level, and without me, you go back to your terrible level. But if he beats John Cena, why why would he be considered a, a low level? He's the U.S. champion, and he's considered at a low level. Like we're we're already throwing out the idea like this. Like these wins and losses are, um, they correlate to your star power. Like this guy, when has he lost matches? Like he, this is not a promo about you're on a losing streak or you're just not like, this is like, you've been given everything. You're being pushed, but you're not over to the audience. So even beating me, you're still not over and you're not going to have me to elevate your WrestleMania position because the next night you're back to just your regular level. You're not over. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know if, if. I necessarily took that part um, about him winning to be like, hey, like you could beat me, but you're still not over. So the crowd's going to eat you alive. I took it more. Like to this me- whole promo was like the audience doesn't care about you. Like that is you're not over. That is the whole message of this promo. And why isn't he over? Well, that that is the the whole side of it. Like you don't feel this. You don't have any anything that distinguishes you for the audience to care about you. You have not made any connection with the audience. So mm-hmm. I think your hope is that he has. You're right. A great build up. Um, he certainly, you know, coming back after this promo did not like just got waxed here. Um, needs to have some great segments leading up to this. They need to have a. To me, an incredible match, and I don't know if Cena's going to have an incredible match in 2023. Um, and, you know, it, it just seems like a lot is on theory here to really put out the performance of a lifetime over these next couple of weeks to differentiate himself and kick into a different gear. So it feels, feels very, um, real in the sense like they are throwing theory in the deep end to either get over or maybe like you are not someone that we are going to go all the way with because you can see like they have pushed him to a level but they have not just put put a rocket on him and when you set up those stakes 
does that not make this a compelling match? Um, it's, I thought that the segment, it was a great segment in terms of John Cena's performance. Am I more interested in this match? Um, I, I guess you're, you're curious. To Even see, if, like, like if you had Cena up. come out here and like somehow like portray Austin Theory as an equal, I wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't buy that with John Cena. So why are you interested in this now and you weren't, say, because, uh, 24 hours ago? Because this is a bigger test for Austin Theory than simply beating John Cena. It's about what – well, it, it is about beating John Cena, but it's also about whether or not he can elevate himself to a level beyond what he's currently at, to a level where he's worthy of being on the same stage of a John Cena, you know? I mean, just the fact that they were putting him with Cena for a Mania program, like you would think like that's – that's what they want. But out it, of it didn't feel earned. And that's what Cena is saying. It, it, you haven't organically earned this spot. So I can either embarrass you on the biggest stage or you can earn it by the time that we actually have the match. Yeah. Well, it was um, it was an interesting segment for sure. And, mm-hmm. you know, Cena is just he's tremendous in these in these segments. Fantastic so. here. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, you know, I don't anticipate many more Cena appearances in, in the lead up. I mean, I could be wrong, but Austin Theory is going to have to, you know, do a lot of the heavy lifting. And these writers are going to have to provide really good material for theory to kind of carry on this this uh, storyline throughout these weeks, because um, this segment I, I thought was really strong. But John disagrees. What did you guys think? I, I didn't say I disliked the segment. I just don't know. Listen, in uh, in five years, we'll either look back at this as, as a blip or we'll look back at this as like this was a, a turning point for Austin Theory. And look where he was. And now he's this big star. And John Cena was the one to uh, get him to that next level. So we'll see. They, they obviously want him uh, in that level. He wouldn't be working with Cena if they did not. Kathy Kelly interviews Sami Zayn and wishes he could say Kevin Owens was just being stubborn, but he's right about war games in this arena. But everything's different now. The match with Jimmy is about survival tonight, and if he fails, um, it's going to be the end of Jimmy, but it's not going to be his night tonight. Chad Gable against Baron Corbin. Uh, Gable landed on his feet from a moonsault, took a backbreaker. Crowd was dead for this, and Corbin tried to wake up the crowd, and in doing so, Gable applied the ankle lock, and Corbin tapped in two minutes. And 11 seconds. So he is not going to get a modeling contract. Um, no. Yeah. I, I, at this point, um, man, Shorty G beat King Corbin. So it kind of tells you where, where it's at. And I, I, I guess they're just building to another character refresh. So yeah. Yep. The next, uh, WrestleMania trailer was Top Gun Maverick with the Miz and Maurice with a knockoff of, Kenny Loggins with Highway to Hollywood that they had for this on on top of it. Uh, was this Maverick or the original Top Gun? Um, I don't rec- recall this scene in, in the new yeah, one. Maybe this was the original. I haven't seen the original. <laughs> me, me neither. So I, I feel like I can't really judge. Yeah. How did you like the parody? I, I feel like I can't really judge. I haven't, I haven't seen the original Top Gun. Oh my announced- God! You haven't seen you haven't seen the original Top Gun. Yeah, imagine, imagine all the sleep you're going to lose knowing that a stranger has not seen a movie that you enjoy. Uh, Rollins and Logan Paul is officially added to WrestleMania, and then out come our new tag champions Becky Lynch and Lita, and Becky calls them a pair of legends. Lita thanks her, but also needs to thank their equalizer who comes out. It is Trish Stratus, and Trish did warn Bailey in Toronto last year that if she didn't shut her mouth. 
And with that, damage control interrupts her. Bailey sees right through them. They're selfish. Says, Trish and Lita, you're the reason that we are here in this ring, but we're also going to be the reasons that you never come back. So Trish says, I can go from retired to unretired just like that and proposes a match at WrestleMania, which Bailey accepts. Kai and Sky look surprised, but then they attack and Bailey walks right up face to face with Becky and she's surrounded by Lita and Trish and the segment ends. We have our six woman tag added to WrestleMania and becomes the question of, I guess, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, which are the two people that are unaccounted for at WrestleMania. And you would have figured like the tag titles would be some hook for them. And I guess you can't throw that out with the time they have left that you could do something and like the belts don't need to be on Becky and, and Lita. Um, to the do belts don't need to be, you know, being be contested uh, by Shayna and, and Ronda. Like if they want to do a, a tag match with Raquel and Liv, they, they could do that. To be quite honest, I don't think the tag titles add a whole lot at all. Um, they're probably the most worthless belts in the entire company. So um, I thought the reaction to the segment was pretty mild, you know. Um, I think we're used to seeing Trish and Lita return so often that like – the pop for their returns might be pretty strong that first week, depending also where, where they are. But um, beyond that, I, I don't know if the audience feels it's as special. But that said, you look in the, up and down this roster and, you know, a mania match is kind of requiring, you know, a level of star power. And there just isn't enough of it to go around so that you have to go back, you know, to the well with, with Lita and, and Trish. What I do really hope for, though, is a bit of story beyond just hey it's lita and trish you know i i i think both of them are 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 amazing the fact that like they're they're still able to to kind of come back you know year after year and like deliver like pretty strong performances but i think we need a bit more than just the return pop we need some motivation for the both of them why why do they give a shit about this you know beyond getting a wrestlemania moment what's at stake for them so i hope to hear that next week Edge calls out Finn Balor, Elias, and Bronson Reed. A whole week build for that match. Bianca Belair takes on Chelsea Green. Main event, Jimmy Uso against Sami Zayn with Solo Sokoa in the corner. Uh, man, how many commercial breaks did we have in this match? It felt like we had... Uh, this, was, six- this match was mostly commercial, and I'm assuming the Cena segment might have gone long. Probably did, because they started the match, went to a commercial break. They came back for like two minutes, another commercial break. Um, like this was not a long match, and they they sandwiched like two commercial breaks into it. So um, Zane ends up coming off the top. He's nailed with a super kick when Jay appears in the crowd. And this crowd, they just notice Jay. They all buzz. And Jay comes down, and he's standing on the desk. And we see Jimmy smiling. He ducks a haluva kick and then goes for a Samoan drop. But Zane rolls him up and pins Jimmy. And Jimmy is devastated. He lost the match. And therefore, Sammy is alive. Yeah. So he needed he had to won beat... this match. Well, he, like, needed well... To, he needs to win the match first so that he can break Sammy's neck um, when he's already down. Like he's got his brother right there. They could break his neck after a match. Yeah, they could have. Yeah, he really shouldn't have just kind of. Well, like Solo, Solo, Solo was gone. pinned him on Friday. Like, why didn't they kill him after that? When they tried to, and then they, oh, he then Sammy got away. Okay. Yeah, so you got to pin him first, and then you can proceed to. So do the match gives you the legal right to attack your, you know, the person that you want to eventually break break the neck of, and then of once they're down, you can proceed with the neck breaking. And they didn't even get to stage one, so. 
That's too bad. Major failure. So Sammy is on the floor. Jay walks into the ring. Dude, Jay is a... What an actor this man has become. Incredible. Really. Yeah. He's just staring into Jimmy and you're just like, what's he going to do? And he's looking to his eyes. He looks so torn and devastated. He's holding on to his shirt. Thought he was going to rip his heart out or but, something. But by the way, just kind of speaking about like, you know, uh, Jay's acting. I mean, they have to be doing a bloodline Godfather parody. They yeah. have to. Yeah. I think that that would be uh, expected. Well, he's he walks out of the ring, leaving Jimmy alone, and he walks up to Sammy. He looks at Sammy, and he says, I trust you. He hugs Sammy. This place exploded. This was – this might have been louder than when Cena came out. This was so loud when mm-hmm. they hugged. Yeah. And this crowd, they're chanting Usi, and they're just blown away here that Sammy and Jay are together. And Zane and Jay, they're looking at Jimmy. Zane's yelling, it's not too late, Jimmy. They put their fingers in the air. And Jay super kicks Sammy Zane out of nowhere. And Jay, you thought I would choose you. This is family shit. Jay was the star of this show. With all due respect to Cena, anyone else, Jay was the goddamn star. And they massacre Sammy. Solo Sokoa is out to join in. And it is Cody Rhodes that runs down to help Sammy and send the bloodline out of the ring. An awesome angle to end this show. Great utilization to get Cody in. Cody was like really well used on this show for someone that was literally on screen for 60 seconds and never Mm -hmm. said a word. Yes, yes. Three separate scenes with no dialogue. And it was like you had the Owens tie-in, the Cena endorsement, and then the main angle at the end. And it was without Cody ever talking. Completely agreed. Yeah. I really, really love the way that they tie Cody into this. I mean, first of all, they've done a great job of setting Cody up as, um, uh, as a, as a friend of Sami Zayn's and somebody on the same journey, uh, as, as he is. Somebody who's actually was very supportive of Sami Zayn being the one to take over Roman. And now that Sami couldn't do it, we have Cody in this situation. Beyond that, Cody is also here to save Sami Zayn and to stop the bloodline beyond just him beating Roman Reigns. We saw the interaction in the back with Kevin Owens and I think the prediction is that we have Cody be the one to bring Sammy and Kevin Owens together and that trio of Cody Sammy and Kevin Owens is first of all awesome just kind of from a hot baby face you know standpoint uh those three opposing the Usos and Solo or you know the Usos and Roman I think will make for some wonderful trios matches if they choose to do that at some point but i think it also more importantly sets cody sorry kevin owens and Sami Zayn on on a on a sort of a quest that is as important as cody's it doesn't just feel like them facing the usos is that much of a separate you know story they are one part of the puzzle of this bloodline eventually being conquered. They are going to take Kevin and, and Sammy are, are going to take care of, of Jimmy and, and Jay and Cody is tasked with taking over Roman Reigns. The three of them have to work together and the three of them have to all succeed over the course of this weekend at WrestleMania in order to finish this story. I, 
I, I, I love the, the, the way they tied it all together. And the uh, segment was terrific, as all these significant bloodline segments have been. And it's because of the incredible performance, mainly of Jey Uso here. His timing, his just ability to kind of delay the tension, the look that he gave Jimmy as if to, you know, just simply express, hey, you're my brother. I'm sorry I have to do, do this, but I'm, I'm gone. Like, all of that nonverbal acting I thought was incredibly strong. And then the way he was able to delay the hug and then delay the super kick, I thought was pretty expert timing. So great, great post-match. Yeah. Um, I thought it was tremendous to use Cody to form this, uh, this tripod. Uh, like he is the link and like the promo almost writes itself that it was like the three of us weak. The three of us cannot do this without each one of us mm-hmm. having each other's back. And Kevin, if you're not going to do it for Sammy, let's do this for Dusty. And you have that Ooh, link with all it. three of them going into WrestleMania. Um, yeah, they they are in great shape for WrestleMania. It was a tremendous end to the show. Excellent. Yeah, really strong. Uh, really strong non wrestling segments. To be quite honest with you, Some the wrestling match on the show, announcement segments. For- yeah, like crowd was not invested, and I think in terms of even story, it, there was, wasn't that much to get invested in. Even Jimmy versus Sami Zayn, which was supposed to probably be the one with the most, you know, reason for us to care, we barely got to see it because of all the commercial. But the build for WrestleMania, regardless, was really strong. Really strong segment, and you know, uh, with with John Cena and, and Austin Theory, Logan Paul and Seth Rollins, and what else did we have? What was the other big one? Do we have another big one? The women's six six person. Did you see yeah, that? They uh, that yeah, I guess so. What what did they end the first hour with? Oh, Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. I mentioned it. So. Right, and Omos yeah. and Dolph Ziggler, of course. Oh yeah, forgot yeah. that. And really, when you look at the the Raws leading up to Mania, I don't think you get any bigger than next Monday when they are at the Amica Mutual Pavilion, formerly known as the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh my! Wow. Any uh, who's got any uh, special appearances announced? Well, they're they're already getting Elias against Bronson Reed, so oh I, I, damn! I don't, I don't think you have to load it up much more beyond that. Uh, but there you go. That was, uh, that was tonight's episode of Raw. And we will, uh, get to your feedback now. Um, yeah. Let's go to, uh, a couple super chats here. First of oh. all, I want to thank Hanzi for sending a super chat. He had a, a comment, but, um, as since, uh, um, just wanted us to recognize the super chat. So thank you very much, Hanzi. We got a Slim Sieber who sends $5. Thank you for the support, Slim. He says, have you guys heard what is happening with the Hall of Fame this year? We're three and a half weeks out and they have yet to announce a single name. Thanks, guys. Yeah, they've they've got to get those announcements out because the Hall of Fame is happening on the Friday. I, I would say though that like that that SmackDown, I, I don't know where the tickets are at now. I, I would be stunned if they like it's not near full for that SmackDown. That you don't have the same pressure of selling tickets for an individual Hall of Fame class. I would also argue you could get by with a much smaller class. Like last year, honestly, would you have been fine if it had just been the Undertaker? doing his speech after SmackDown. Like, you do not have to have five, six deep. Like, you could get away with two to three. And I think that you get SmackDown, you get an hour and a half of speeches. People are happy. As a show, yeah. But then is it truly a Hall of Fame if you're only inducting one person a year? You know, or is it just not a celebration of, of one individual's career a year then if you if you don't have an actual class? I could argue it makes – name me the class last year beyond The Undertaker. Well, but that's anymore? not really the point, you know. The, it I, is I, the I, point, way. It's like, how? What are you celebrating? If it's like, it's just like. So the point is just to make the show, right? Is that what you're saying? I'm just say, stating, like, it's not like they're running out of headliner names. That 
I, I don't think you need to do a two and a half hour show when you're tacking this on to SmackDown. If this was on its own night, yeah, you want to pr- produce something, but it's like this well, audience they, uh, paid for SmackDown and they don't, don't have know. to do, they don't have to even do a show. They, I mean, they don't have to do any of this, you know, like, cause, so, like what, what is the value of the Hall of Fame now? Is it just so that we can hear somebody like the Undertaker speak? Or, yeah. or is there, is there something more to it? Like, do they want to truly recognize, you know, some of the people from the past that they want to bring back just to kind of give them a nice weekend of, 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 I don't know, attention? I, it, it, the Hall of Fame is, is a concept from, you know, a, a, like a decade plus ago that I think it doesn't necessarily fit into their current WrestleMania model. And for this reason, I, I wonder if they would consider moving it. Like, would it not, you know, do, do it SummerSlam. Weekend, exactly. Would it something else? Like, you, if, if you have a big name, like you can do that where, I mean, it, it, it is tough where a lot of these are now the Saturday night shows and you do SmackDown the, the Friday, but like you could do it. Um, like, uh, you could still tack it onto SmackDown and it's, it's less of, um, you know, you, you could certainly take it away from WrestleMania weekend. And I don't think it's, it's all that. It's not taking a whole lot away from that weekend. It's not even. Like you're gonna draw the same amount, I feel, for that SmackDown the night before as you are with the Hall of Fame on top of it. At Unless you have something big like The Rock, and I wouldn't have The Rock following SmackDown. Like that is one you could yeah. do on its own. At a time when WrestleMania weekend was only WrestleMania, and maybe an ROH show, and the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame was pretty important. Now, when you have two nights of WrestleMania, you have an NXT show, you have God knows how many other programs. You know, you have SmackDown on a Friday. The Hall of Fame is just kind of like something you feel we it almost feels like we have to do. And what's the point then at that point? So maybe they should save it for somewhere else. Yeah, but th- th- this late, you, you would assume like it, it. There's a decent chance it could be like a smaller class. Like you just don't have time to announce like a big class for this year. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. But I mean, it is happening. So uh, uh, we have one more super chat here from Muggin who says I'm seeing Cocaine Bear on a half off Tuesday. So. Enjoy, enjoy it. All yeah. Right. Um, Muggin also sent in a uh, feedback. Do, do you get to double dip on on feedback? Yeah, sure. If it's a yeah super chat, I mean, it's after the content's different, so fine. He says, uh, "I got to say, a lot of WrestleMania got set in stone in Boston. Uh, goes through the match announcements, and Jay's only connection to the bloodline is Jimmy. And I bet he won't take Roman's abuse any longer. It's a Chinese finger trap that Jay and Jimmy are in. They're going to." They're going in further in order to get out, and I'm chomping at the bit to see what's next. Going in further in order to try to get out. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if that, I don't know if that works. It's like uh, you go deeper in the mob. I don't know if you get out that way. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I just read this book on the mob, so that's that's fresh on my mind. Really? Is it like a Chinese finger trap? No, I've never actually heard that term before. Um, I've heard it. I've never seen one, but like, I, I know what it is. You put your finger in deep to try and get it out or you, and then you, your fingers get caught. Yeah. But do your fingers get out? Like that's the analogy here is like, like you go in deeper to get out. I don't think you can get out in a Chinese finger trap. I think you're stuck. Jimmy and Jay better have a better, uh, technique then. I don't know if they're trying to get out at this point. I think we're trying to get out. Um, but before we do that, 
We have shows coming up this week, including Tuesday. We're going live, a special live edition of the Ask Away Mailbag Show, 1 p.m. Eastern time for all members at postwrestlingcafe.com. So you can either submit your questions at forum.postwrestling.com in the Ask Away thread, or you can join us live and we will be taking calls. So that's Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, all levels at postwrestlingcafe.com. All questions are welcome, and uh, you can also jump on to video.postwrestling.com, where... Everyone is joining together and can, and enjoying us frame by frame. Of course. Also this week, on Thursday for CAFE members, we will be going through episodes four and five of Drive to Survive Season 5. And one of our listeners, JC, who is an expert in F1, she is going to be joining us to go through those episodes as well as the race in Bahrain this past weekend, where we are going to talk about the dominance of Red Bull and how our fantasy teams are stacking up, how they performed. I had, uh, I, I had both, uh, both good and bad, uh, this past weekend. So, uh, hmm. we, we will compare teams. I haven't even looked at my points. Did you do well this weekend? Um, I, I think since it's so early in the season, like a lot of us are tied. So I think I'm like tied for 17th oh. out of like 40. So not necessarily great, but not that bad either. So that will be out Thursday for cafe members. Friday night, we have Rewind to SmackDown following SmackDown and Rampage. And then coming up this weekend, new edition of Postmarks with David Myers and Bruce Lord. They will be chatting uh, with John Ceno. So Ceno will be stopping by. Mm-hmm. We've got WrestleNomics Radio. Tons of great stuff this week at postwrestlingcafe.com. And last thing, uh, by the time you're listening to this, all cafe members have access to our post road diary from our trip to montreal that is up now for patrons to watch that is right not just listen you can watch our video diary of all of our shenanigans in quebec and who was the auteur that was responsible for the direction cinematography editing sound design of this wonderful road diary i was going to create a credit roll (laughs) Because <laughs> I did everything on this, including finishing this and then having to start from scratch at the beginning to rebuild this entire thing. So I, why? I, oh, it was, I, I, I had put on a wrong setting and it was, it screwed everything up. So I had to oh, change that. Yeah. Okay. I, I have found my, my mortal enemy and it is called vertical video. We did not get along during our first uh, interaction during this trip, but we're, we're going to revisit it uh, again. I will, at a future date, ask for a, a, a thorough evaluation by way. He is going to give me a, a grade. I think I, I think I got a solid C on this. I think. I, I think that's for the audience to decide. Um, I, I, I think any video with us rock climbing is going to get an A plus. So, yeah. check that out. Postwrestlingcafe.com, and that is it for us Tuesday night. Uh, check out up next after Roadblock with Davey and Braden. They'll be live on the channel at 10, 15 p.m. Eastern. And that is it. Good night. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.